We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have Mark Hirschberg on the program today. Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Educated at MIT, Mark has spent his career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He's developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and tracked criminals and terrorists on the dark web. Mark helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he's taught for 20 years. Mark also serves on the boards of nonprofits Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. Mark, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about education today. Well, we're excited to have you. Now, from your bio, people would probably think that you should be on my other podcast, the Cybertraps podcast, but I read your or part of your book, The Career Toolkit, and downloaded the app, and I thought, this guy gets the education piece, and so I figured that would be a better place for you to come and talk, and I'm excited about that because there's a lot of cool stuff that you're doing. So let's talk first about the book and then the app that goes with the book because I really like this approach that you did for communicating the information. So tell us about The Career Toolkit. Thank you. It comes from this dual career I have, as you noted, and what my bio mostly talks about is my work building tech startups and doing cybersecurity work. But what I realized years ago, early in my career, I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. 
And to get that job, to be the person in charge of all the engineers, it wasn't just about being a good engineer. Yes, I needed those skills, but I also needed other skills like leadership, communication, networking, negotiating, team building, but no one ever taught these to me. I had to develop them in myself. And as I was doing so, I realized these apply to everyone, not just the most senior people in the company, but everyone down to the most junior person. I began to train up my team And as I was doing so, MIT had been doing surveys of companies who hire our students, and they got similar feedback. The companies want these same skills, team building, communicating, leadership, not just in senior people, not just in students from MIT, but everyone, but they can't find the skills either. So when I heard about this, I reached out to MIT. I said, I hear you're trying to put together a program to teach this. I've been developing some material. Can I help out? So they invited me to help create some of the content. I co-created the class along with a bunch of other people. And then I was lucky enough to be asked to help teach, which I've been doing now for over 20 years. Having done it for so many years, I know, as I said before, these skills apply to everyone, not just our students. I wanted to reach a larger audience. That led to the book, which I really thought was just going to be some notes I was creating for the class. And as those notes went from about 20 pages to 40 to 80, and once they passed 100, I said, I think this is going to be a book. So I rejiggered it and turned it into a book and companion app, as you mentioned, so we can reach a much larger audience and help everyone upskill and be ready for 21st century jobs. Yeah. And so the app is a little bit different because it's not organized like a book that you would read. Right. And that's that's the beauty of creating something besides just a book, because book has a very linear structure. First thing, the next thing, the next thing. And the app allows you to go in and get the questions answered that you need answered in that moment. Can you explain that aspect of it a little bit? You really get the essence of the app. And I have a whole talk about how we need to move from linear to nonlinear content. And this is going to change how we engage with media. But the motivation for this app, aside from that philosophical basis, is the simple fact that whenever you read a book, people like you and I, we read a book, oh, wow, there's great tips. And then we forget it. Three weeks later, we forgot most of it. Students we know forget just about everything the moment the test is over. So I wanted to help people retain the information. My job isn't to get people to buy books. My job is to change how people think and act. Now, the book is one way to do that, but I want them to retain the information. Fortunately, I have some training in education. And of course, the technique we all know and love, spaced repetition. Mm -hmm. So I thought about what can we do? And honestly, I thought someone must have built this app. I figured someone must have thought through this. There are plenty of flashcard apps available on the web. But here's the thing. No one is going to open a flashcard app. You will if you have a test to study for. We know our students use them. But if there's no test, they're not going to put in that effort. So I need a way to use spaced repetition, but that didn't require that motivation, that activation energy of having to go and open the app. What we created, the innovation that we patented, is we can take the content and we deliver it in a pop-up notification each and every day at a time the user sets. So all you do is on your way, let's say into the office or at the end of the day or whatever's good for you, on your phone, you'll get that little notification. The same ones to tell you you have a new email or something else, notification, and it's one of the tips from the book. So it doesn't require any effort you look at 
swipe away. But those two seconds a day help you better retain the content. Alternatively, if you're about to go to some activity, maybe a networking event, maybe an interview, maybe you have a moment where you know you're going to have to lead in some meeting this afternoon and you're trying to remember what were all those things in the book, you can open up the app and you can swipe through the different tips in that particular category for a refresher. It's like looking back over those note cards or mm-hmm. cheat sheet. Or you can even say, there was a great tip because I'm always doing this. Oh, I read that really good thing in the book. I can't quite remember. Well, you can use the search function and then go find that specific tip. Yeah. And that's what's so great about it is that it allows the user to determine when they get the information that they need from your book. And and that's what I really like about it is that it's it's on the one hand notifications, which I turn off on every app that I download automatically. So I haven't used that feature of your app, uh, but that's an intentional choice on my part. But then the other aspect of it is that when I am heading to a conference next week, then I can I can go in there and search for that specific idea of networking and conference and things like that and be able to, to connect. And what's interesting is that there was, there was something that I read in the app right when I downloaded it. And I was like, this is really good. I should remember this. And it was something about at, about being interested in others and asking questions of them. And, and I thought, you know, there's, this is all well and good, right? But if you don't go back and repeat that, then you don't remember what the the learning was. And that's exactly your point. Because I didn't go back in, I do think that I started or favorited or whatever the vernacular is um, so that I can go back and find it later. But, but that's the beauty of something like this is that you don't have to read the entire book to get benefit from it. And we know already that most people don't finish books that they start. So, you know, they may read the first chapter and then they're like, okay, I'll, I'll come back to this later. And then they never do. And this really gives you a way to, to learn what you need to learn without having to one, sit down and read the whole book cover to cover, but it makes it more accessible for anybody who wants to learn it. So your use case, as you know, you can save it as a favorite and you can even set up that you only get tips from your favorites mm-hmm. so you can focus on an area. You're right in what you said. That gets to the heart of my other talk that people want to access content when, where, and how as dictated by their needs, whereas a book is a very specific means of conveying that information. It's certainly not something we carry with us. Sure, you can now have it on your Kindle. So you do maybe have in your pocket, but it's not as easily accessible. You can't get to the meat of it. You have to go, oh, where was that thing? You have to search through it. And so it's not organized for, I need this piece of information right now. And that's why we're going to shift to these more nonlinear models of all content, not just mm-hmm. the book. But you hit upon another point. The other key thing about the way I wrote my book is you can jump from chapter to chapter. You don't have to read it in order. In fact, you can just open the book. I'd at least recommend starting with the introductory chapter. That's about <laughs> seven pages long. But after that, you want to jump right to the chapter on negotiating. Boom, there you go. Jump back to the chapter on working effectively. Now you're back at chapter two. Then go to chapter six, communication. So you can jump around from chapter to chapter. It is a toolkit. So you can grab the tool you need when and where you need it. Yeah. So I did uh, I did pull up the app and I found the the thing that I had favorited which was ask people what do you wish you knew when you were starting out. 
And so that that was the thing that I thought I need to remember that, favorited it. And, and as I'm meeting with someone later today, I'm actually going to use that um, because I'm just starting out on something that he did 30 years ago. And it's going to be a great discussion because I know that that's a powerful question. So, Mark, I'll let you know how that goes a little bit later. <laughs> Fantastic. Authors love to know that our work is useful. So thank you for sharing that with me. So so let's get into a bigger discussion about education as a whole and how we how we the the challenge we face is that we are quote unquote required to learn certain things and there are standards we're supposed to master and and all that. And especially in K twelve education, there are all these things that we need to do, and the vast majority of them are excessively boring, and you often can't apply it to your life. Um, so, how do you how do you balance the practical things with the things that you actually need to know, or is there any difference between those, Mark? I first have to challenge one of the things that you said, which is there's lots of boring things, and we don't really know or care about applying them to our life. And it's not because they can't be, it's because we don't do a good job of that. Now, I happen to be trained in a lot of math. My degrees are in physics, in computer science, my graduate work with mathematics. And math is one of those fields where everyone says, it is so boring. I get adding and subtracting, multiplying, division. But beyond that, why do we do all this math? Why do we need calculus and geometry and pre-calc and trigonometry? That's all so boring. It is fascinating when you understand the implications of the math. If it's just how you divide up the grocery list so you can share who has to pay what among your roommates, okay, we see the practical. Not very exciting. I guess we do see the practical reason for it. But when we get to some of the really cool parts of math, you can make it so much more interesting and engaging and fascinating. I had a chemistry professor. I had to take chemistry in my first year at MIT. And he ended each lecture with a story. And the upperclassmen told me, you will love these stories. I wasn't that excited about chemistry, but his stories made it fascinating. He brought it to life. And if we can do that, and we can do it with history, with English, with math, with all our fields, we can better engage the students. So it's a lack of our capabilities is why we have that that part. That's a, a premise. Yeah, good. Thank you for saying that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So number one is we need to make it applicable to our students or relevant to their lives, which I wholeheartedly agree with. The second part of that is there's still things we have to learn that we may have a hard time making them applicable. If we're really trying to make it applicable and relevant, then I think that's going to take care of a lot of the issues. But what about those things that, you know, you sometimes you just got to push through the difficult stuff and learn it so that you can understand the things that are more applicable and relevant later? Some of it is teasing. This is a foundation that's going to let you do something more interesting later. One of the reasons I was very excited about math is because I was interested in physics and I understood I need math to understand the physics. All students have something they're interested in. It might not be as academic as physics. It might be sports. But if you explain to the students, hey, what percentage of athletes, your favorite NFL stars, your NBA stars, what percentage of them wind up broke after they complete their, their career in sports? Go, what do you mean? They're making millions. Go, well, 
actually, do most of them make millions? It turns out only a few of them make millions, and the rest are making, they're obviously doing well, but they're not making those millions. And let's look at the math and let's understand basic statistics where you're doing mean and median and mode. You start looking at that on baseball player salaries, then the kids start to say, wait a second, it's not that I can become a baseball player and automatically make millions of dollars. Huh, I didn't realize that. Or the fact that they go broke afterwards. Wait, why is that? Well, they don't negotiate well. They don't plan well the financial planning. They don't have good contracts. They don't think through what their manager is doing. All these little things say, wow, maybe that is important in addition to knowing how to hit a home run. So we can connect it to the students, but that we have to do on a one-on-one basis. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the one-on-one basis because that's really challenging for educators who have 30 to 40 kids in a classroom. How do, how do you make that work, Mark? Now, I have experience teaching at the college level. I know some techniques for teaching at a younger level because my mother taught K through five in the New York school district and taught me educational techniques. So take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm what I'm going to say doesn't necessarily apply to all students at all levels. Sure. The way we teach and engage at MIT, obviously our students are committed to learning. They've gone to MIT. They know you don't go there if you're going to slack off. But the way we really relate a lot of the lessons, because the lessons we talk about, this leadership, communication, team building, aren't things they can connect to easily. Conceptually, you know, okay, leadership's important, but they don't really see how to do it. And the way we make it relatable is by having small group discussions. I can talk about how I lead a team of 100, but that's not so relatable to a student. They need to understand how they can relate to other students, not through a formal leadership title, but through peer engagement. And I can certainly provide stories, but they can also fill in the gaps with their own stories. They can talk about a project they were on last semester in a small team and how they struggled until one of them stepped up and became a leader. And that's a story, that's an experience the others can relate to. So if you have 14-year-olds, you might not remember what it was like to be a 14-year-old and some of the struggles and the challenges, but they all remember and they all connect with those stories. So when you break down, you have the big idea you explain, but then they discuss it in smaller groups, guided. You can't just let them go off and do it themselves. But in those group interactions and discussions that people start to understand it, both by pulling in examples from each other and getting examples you might not have thought of on your own, but also by exploring the different facets of some of these skills, at least the ones I teach, which aren't just memorize a formula, you're going to see the different facets by each person's unique experience with that. Yeah. And I would just add to that, that you, one of the challenges we face, especially in K-12, is that we think the teacher has to sign off on all the learning that kids experience. And the reality is that kids learn a ton all over the place, from their peers, from their interactions and everything. And the teacher doesn't have to see that for that learning to be real. And that's a, a small piece, but recognizing, like you said, you can't, you got to guide the discussions, a small group discussion, but really you can let kids have a lot more freedom in those discussions than you initially think, because you don't have to you don't have to mark as the teacher all the learning that happens. You can allow them to experience learning, learn it, and start applying it themselves without the teacher ever 
interacting with a student on that particular thing, especially in these areas of that question you asked was great. How was your experience with a small group project and what are you going to do differently going forward? That kind of a conversation, it's it's worse if the teacher is involved in that. It's better if the student just figures that out on their own and makes a plan. Now, a teacher can certainly help and give guidance and support and say, I noticed this and how would you react to that? Those are beneficial, but the idea that a teacher has to be the accountant who's counting everything that happened or what the kids are learning is just not necessary. And that's one of the things that we've learned with the pandemic that kids have learned a ton, even though they weren't always around their teachers. And some teachers are saying that they're that kids are having learning loss, but that's that's just according to the book knowledge that we're trying to test and assess in school. Kids have learned a lot. You know, my neighbor who had to start taking care of his younger siblings because both of his parents were essential workers. Um, he learned a lot. And when he came back to school, he was he was very grateful for the opportunity to be in school again because he did not like being the uh, babysitter for a very long time. So, so those kinds of uh, things kids can certainly learn. Um, the last question I'd like to ask you, Mark, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? Engage your staff. The peer learning techniques that we just talked about with the students and the ones that we used at MIT, I do this in the corporate world as well. We put people together from different departments and we have them learn new skills together, often leadership, negotiations, these other skills. You can do that with your team. Take your teachers and put them in small groups and have them develop better skills. Now, what those skills are will vary. It might not be negotiating skills because you're unionized and you're not worried about negotiating your your pay raises, although frankly, negotiation skills help us in many other areas beyond just our salary. But it could be trying new learning techniques. Think of it like the reading groups you might have had back in grad school where you all agree to read some content together. And by the way, it doesn't have to be reading. It could be listening to a great podcast episode like this one or finding articles online or watching a video and then having that discussion and exploring these concepts by seeing the different facets that each person sees. And together, you're going to learn a lot faster than if you just said, everyone go read the book. Okay, now let's do another book. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that is really good. So I definitely encourage everybody to check out um, Mark's book, The Career Toolkit. And that is on uh, Twitter at Career Toolkit BK, as in book, and on Facebook at The Career Toolkit book. And Mark, thank you so much for being here and part of Transformative Principle. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You can also go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. And there on the resources page, the very first download is how to set up these groups. It's a completely free download. You don't have to use my book. You can if you want to. But if you want to use other content, the download explains how you can set this up so you can start moving your team forward today. All this at thecareertoolkitbook.com. Thank you very much. And those are linked on the show notes as well. So jethrojones.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to find that there. So thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate you being here, Mark. It's been great talking to you.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.